Hey everybody, welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns. Thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. You know, I'm going to guess that you enjoy celebrations. Well, today we begin to wrap up our beginning of the year theme of living free in 23 with a two-part lesson, Celebrating You, but maybe not in the context you thought. Stick around, we're going to talk about it today, Celebrating You. At a recent worship service, I took a quick, informal, unscientific poll of asking the question of what is your favorite day of the year? The four choices were Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day, your birthday, or just any other day of the year. Thanksgiving, Christmas, your birthday, or another day of the year. Well, far and away, the winner was Christmas Day. So that might be yours, or you might have another day. But either way, we always enjoy celebrations. And they always come at the end of something. You know, you never get a party your first day on the job. You get a party on your job on the last day before you leave. And that often is the way that it goes. So as we close out our Living Free and 23 theme to start our year, I thought a, a two-part series on celebration would be fantastic end to living free in 23. But it wasn't just any celebration. I wanted to celebrate you. I wanted to help us all think about celebrating you, each other, you as an individual. Well, to help this with this, we're going to be looking uh, at Acts chapter 16 today and looking at uh, a story of Lydia and the Roman jailer. And it's quite a lengthy rig, so bear with me. But leading into uh, Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas had actually been traveling from city to city to different cities, and they would eventually land in a city called Philippi. Now, Philippi was a home to many uh, Roman uh, retired Roman soldiers and was a major city in the Roman uh, uh, world uh, empire at that time, which largely surrounded the Mediterranean Sea as we know it today and including Spain and into France and all the way up into England. The Roman Empire was an incredibly large, massive empire that uh, had, had controlled much of the area. Philippi was one of the leading cities in that empire. So I'm going to start reading today in Acts chapter 16. And again, bear with me as I read through Acts chapter 16. But I thought it was important to read the whole story. So if you're driving or listening, just please just sit back and let the Bible speak to you. Let the stories of Lydia and the, uh, the, the Roman jailer speak to you, to who they are, to what was going on, and we will get into the lesson after that. So Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6. I'm reading out of the NASB version today, by the way. But starting out in verse 6, it says, They passed through Phrygian and Galatia region, and after being forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and after they came to Mysia, they were, uh, they were trying to go to Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and pleading with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately sought to leave Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
So after setting sail from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace on the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were spending some days in this city. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the river, where we were thinking there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia was listening. She was a seller of purple fabrics from the city of Thyatira and a worshiper of God. The Lord opened up her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Now when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. It happened as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave woman who had a spirit of divination met us who was bringing great profit to her masters by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us and cried out repeatedly, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you a way of salvation. Now she continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed, and he turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was suddenly gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men, Jews as they are, are causing our city trouble, and they are proclaiming customs that are not lawful for us to accept or to practice since we are Romans. The crowd joined in an attack against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely, and he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison, fastening their feet in the stocks. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to him, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, thinking that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer asked for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas, and after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of God to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into the house and set food before them and was overjoyed since he had become a believer in God together with his whole household. Now when day came, the chief magistrates sent their officers saying, release those men. And the jailer reported those words to Paul saying, the chief priests, excuse me, the chief magistrates have sent word that you may be released. So come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, after beating us in public with due process, men who are Romans, they threw us into prison, and now they are releasing us secretly? No, indeed. On the contrary, let them come in person and lead us out. The officers reported these words to the chief magistrates, and they became fearful when they heard that they were Romans. 
and they came and pleaded with them. And when they had led them out, they repeatedly asked them to leave the city. They left prison and entered the house of Lydia, and when they saw the brothers and the sisters, they encouraged them and departed. What an incredible story that we read in Acts chapter 16 of the story of the few days where Paul and Silas and perhaps others were with them in Philippi. To hear the stories of Lydia and her household, the jailer and his household, the celebrations that ensued, is just an incredible moment in time in the history of Jesus' followers. My first thought today is that in our celebration, the celebration of you is to come hungry. Thought number one is to come hungry. You know, most celebrations seem to involve food, even uh, the, the, uh, the choices of my informal poll, of whether it's Christmas, whether it's Thanksgiving, whether it's your birthday or some other day, most oftentimes celebrations involve some type of food. For Lydia and the Roman jailer, the food they needed most was actually spiritual food. That's what they needed. They needed spiritual food. You know, let's talk about Lydia for a second. You know, it said in the story, if you caught, that she sat listening to Paul. You know, in the moment, Paul and Silas, they come down to the river looking for a place to pray, and they happen upon a group of women. Not sure how many that might have been, but there might have been three or four or 10 or 12, whatever there was, but Paul sat and taught the women that were there. And you can just picture it in your mind of this woman, Lydia. She was a dealer of purple cloth, it says. Because of the process of, of obtaining purple dyes, purple cloths in particular were very, very expensive. And so the people that she sold to, the people that she worked with, the people that she often talked to from day to day to day, would have been people that have, would have been very successful. They would have been leaders in society. They would have been people that, uh, quite frankly, had money to spend on the more expensive things. But as she sat down at the river, this stranger named Paul came and taught her about God. And it says that she listened. You might picture her with her hand up by her chin, listening to Paul, taking in every word that he is saying, listening to what he shared about his story, listening to what he was sharing about God and about Jesus. By this listening, you can see what Lydia's priorities are. You could see what was important to her heart, and maybe it even caused her to do some self-reflecting at the time. You could see her priorities, and again, what was important. You know, yet she was a worshiper of God. I'd suggest as she sat down and was listening to Paul that even despite already being a worshiper of God, even knowing something about God, she sat there listening to Paul with the intent to learn. Now, I'm not sure what happened to the other women that were there with her. The Bible doesn't really teach us what happened to them, so she may have actually acted alone in listening and responding to what Paul said. But I believe she was there listening with the intent to learn. And you know what a great example uh, for us, 
What a great example for us as we go to worship at a Sunday worship service, or if we have a midweek service, or a small group, or even if we just open our Bibles on our own. Are we going to those things and to those moments in time with the intent to learn? On a Sunday morning, your minister is not just there to entertain you. Your minister is just not there to entertain with some great quotes of the Bible or some encouraging scriptures. Now it's up to each of us to go to God with the intent to learn. Well, let's talk about the jailer. You know, I think he knew he was missing something in his life too. Maybe he didn't know what it was. Maybe he hadn't even really thought about it. But there was something that happened amidst that earthquake that night that caused him to think loud and hard. Perhaps earlier, prior to the earthquake, he had heard Paul and Silas's prayers and singing. You know, it says that they were praying and singing at midnight. Well, of course, what else would you do in jail <laughs> at midnight? Well, for the most of us, I don't know that we'd be praying and singing out loud. But for Paul and Silas, they definitely were, as the prisoners sat and listened to them. But perhaps even the jailer had heard them praying and singing beforehand. Perhaps he even heard prayers for himself from Paul and Silas. That something had touched his heart. He was hungry for what they had. You know, through the situation with the, with the family that had owned the girl, that was actually their income stream that started the whole process that landed Paul and Silas in jail. You know, the jailers saw that, you know, Paul and Silas, that they stood for something. They had a bigger meaning in life than what that jailer had. He saw it and he wanted it. Both the jailer and Lydia were hungry. Folks, we need to come hungry when we are before God, whether we're at worship, whether we go into God's word, just personally by ourselves, we're, if we're just with a small group, we need to come hungry. But the interesting thing is to think about Lydia and the jailer prior to this moment. You know, we don't think of them necessarily as people with sinful natures. We don't really see them prior to this and we don't see them much after this moment. So what were they like outside of this moment? Well, let's look at before. You know, they had sinful natures. We see in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Paul himself writes, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has fallen short of the glory of God, including Lydia, including the Roman jailer. And while we see these great stories, there's more behind the scene than what we read. You know, part of being hungry is knowing what food you need. Being spiritually hungry is knowing that you need God. Knowing where to go to be fulfilled of that hunger. You know, I'm not sure what the conversations were between Paul and Lydia or Paul and the Roman jailer. But at some point, I believe that they would have had a conversation on what their lives were like prior to this moment. 
And I think it would be reminiscent of us today. I wrote down a few thoughts of things that have been in past in my past of my life, things that Paul had written to the church in Galatia later, where he wrote a bit of a list of sins. And just knowing people, these are things that some people today would say, you may identify with list, this list with some of the things more than others. Lydia and the jailer may have identified with some of these things. But when we talk about where we're coming from and thinking about being spiritually hungry for God, it is taking an honest and true look in the mirror of the things that are stopping us now and getting in the way of our view of God or things in the past that have gotten in our way. Things like, I worship other things beside God. I use swear words. I'm arrogant. I want what other folks have more than I want with God. I actually fake my relationship with God. I really don't like people that aren't like me. I'm selfish. I put myself before God. My actions divide the community. I've been drunk. I've been impure. I look at pornography. I get angry and I lash out. I care way more about other things than God. I've indulged myself in all kinds of vices without any regard to other. I've been sexually immoral. I am prideful. I'm arrogant. Maybe some of those things you identify with more than others. But for Lydia and the jailer, perhaps some of these things were even in their own lives as Paul met them that day. Again, I so wish I could see what happened to Lydia after this story or what happens to the jailer long term. But for us, if we don't find ourselves continuing to come back and be hungry for God day after day after day, well, we can slip back into our nature. We can slip back into some of these things. So we have to be careful and have to continue to long for God. I love the verse in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 25 because it gives us reason. And it gives us hope. It says, I, I alone am the one who wipes out your wrongdoings for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. God speaks to us that he alone is the one who wipes out our wrongdoings. But why does he do that? Did you catch it? I am the one who wipes out your wrongdoings for my own sake, for God's sake. He does it for himself. And he says, I will not remember your sins for his sake, because he longs to have that relationship with you. He celebrates you. He sees you when you're driving your car. He sees you when you're sitting at your home. He sees you when you're sleeping in bed at night. And he says, oh, I so long for a relationship with that person, with you. He does it for his sake because he loves the idea 
of celebrating you. Lydia and the jailer chose to be baptized. The Bible is very clear here. You know, baptism, as we look through the book of Acts, it's not a, a symbol of anything or any kind of an outward sign. You know, his parents didn't make the choice for him. The, you know, it, it, it was very clear when you look at Acts chapter 2, when many people, thousands of people were baptized there, or in Acts chapter 8, when the Ethiopian is baptized, that they're baptized for the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins comes at baptism. That, in fact, is the moment when our, do, our sins do get wiped away, when God does see us as white as snow. The jailer, he didn't baptize, or I'm sorry, he didn't rejoice until actually after his baptism. And that's exactly like it was in Acts chapter 8 with the Ethiopian, that they came up out of the water and they were so excited. You know, many of you listening may have made the same choices. Remember that? Remember how exciting it was? Remember how happy you were? Where the, you had discovered new stories in God's word. You had discovered new application in your life of stories maybe you had known for a really long time. Stay hungry. Stay hungry like you were back in that time and don't give up. Don't ever lose the hunger that drove you to God. As you know, the enemy is out there to mess up your faith. He's out there just to mess you up. So sometimes things may not make sense. Or sometimes you might feel out of touch or something is off. Or you may be bothered by this or that as the enemy is working in your life to confuse you. You know, if you're feeling like you're in a bad place, if you're feeling things don't make sense, get help. Remember to stay hungry. And don't be afraid to ask questions, to go to God and to go to those who can help you. Because there is a celebration happening for you. A celebration that is really cool happening for you. And you don't want to miss out or leave early because it is God that in fact it is celebrating you. In fact, at your celebration, which leads me to thought number two, to stay a while and enjoy yourself. Sometime right after they were baptized, both the jailer and Lydia have a party at their house. They're both so grateful uh, for Paul and Silas, so grateful for the things that they have learned. But I think they're most, mostly grateful to God for what he had done for them and for both of them, their whole household. What an incredible, incredible moment. They were excited thinking about their future as new Jesus followers. But one thing I don't think they were confused on at all. I don't think that they were confused at all that it might get hard, that challenges would come. After all, and especially for the jailer, Paul and Silas are already in prison because of it. If you caught that story, Lydia gets baptized and her household, they become believers and it's incredible. And it goes right from there to all of the sudden, this family, these people that had owned this girl, they had this revenue stream through this girl. 
are upset not at Paul's religion, not at Paul's teaching. They're upset because he has messed up their revenue stream, their income, the money they were making. That's what started it. The owners turned it into Paul and Silas and these other teachings, and they rallied a bunch of other people. And it landed Paul and Silas in prison. Lydia and the Roman jailer and their households are sitting there looking at that. They were not confused that being a Jesus follower was going to bring challenges. I mean, after all, they had a very clear understanding of where they lived in this Roman-governed major city. You know, it's filled with current and former Roman soldiers everywhere. And they're trying to make Jesus their Lord. Imagine their thoughts when they put two and two together, that being a Jesus follower put Paul and Silas in prison. Perhaps Paul taught them the very scripture in Psalm chapter 56, verses 3 and 4 which says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Yeah, I think we're foolish if we think that being a true Jesus follower just makes everything happy. I said a few weeks ago, I think it's true that we love the idea of following Jesus on a path that he has for us. We love that idea. But sadly, in our own weaknesses, we wish that that path would actually take us to Disneyland. And then from Disneyland, maybe to the beach. And then to a, maybe another place of vacation. And then eventually stopping at a lawn chair under a nice big shade tree. We want the path to be easier than it's going to be. And it's just not it. And that's why we need each other. How do you enjoy yourself in that context? without each other. You know, we meet together for Sunday morning worship. How important that it is. Not just to worship God, to sing the songs and to pray and to take the communion, but to spend time with each other, looking at your brother, looking at your sister, looking at the people there, looking me in the eye. And spending that time, I mean, our times together, whether it be on a Sunday morning or, again, maybe a midweek service, a small group setting, or even just grabbing coffee with a friend should be filled with love, filled with laughter, filled with genuineness. Because we do need each other. But even moreover, I believe that our personal times with God are so important. That time that you sit down and open your Bible to read, to learn, to read, to change, to read, to grow, to see God's heart, to see your life in the context of God's word. 
Those are so, so important. If we can support each other and if we can go to our God and see those times as deathly important, then folks, that's how we can enjoy ourselves. We'll see that God, in fact, does have you when things don't quite make sense. You'll have that firm foundation when the waves are crashing in. You'll think about Lydia. You'll think about Jailer making their choices. Maybe the same one that you've made that, you know what? Jesus is my Lord and I love it. I am proud of it. And I'm going to stand on two feet on that principle. Jesus is my Lord. Enjoy yourself. God is celebrating you. Some thoughts to take with you today is to make a list of 10 things God has done for you since you became a follower. If you've been baptized, if you have made that choice that, you know what, Jesus is my Lord. If your story reflects that of Lydia or reflects that of the jailer, make a list of those 10 things that God has done for you. Number two is, you know, make a list maybe of two things that are making it hard now. What are the obstacles, either in your life, or maybe just sometimes in our own characters? What are the two things that are making it hard now? Thirdly, find a partner and pray with someone else about these things. Number four is to take a personal time and just enjoy it with God. Go for a walk. Have a coffee. Spend some time in meditation. But a personal time of just you and God. And just think about enjoying that time with God. But also, number five, Acknowledge the fact that he is, in fact, celebrating you. Think about God celebrating you. We probably don't do that enough. Thinking about what God is thinking about us and how he thinks about us. It's a celebration for you. So come hungry and enjoy yourself. I hope that was helpful, and if you liked it and would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area and would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.